Hello and welcome to the next episode of How Good It Is, a weekly podcast where we take a closer look at popular songs from the rock and roll era and we check out some of the stories behind those songs and the artists who made them famous. My name is Claude Cole and there is an 11-month-old kitten uh, running around the studio today and uh, so that's, that's going to make my recording session a little bit interesting. Hey, don't forget to check out the website, howgooditis.com, where you can find some stuff that I found interesting and some other things that don't necessarily fit well into the podcast. And also, go follow and like the show's Facebook page, where which has some other stuff that'll keep everybody busy. You can find that over at facebook.com slash how, how good it is pod. Hey, have I mentioned the show is a featured podcast on the Podcast Republic app? Have I mentioned the playlist capability? Have I mentioned the driving mode with the big honking buttons? Have I mentioned it can find podcasts on all the big providers? Have I mentioned that it's free in the Google Play Store? Or you can just click the button on the How Good It Is website. I have? Okay, well, I just mentioned again, so go check it out, okay? In the late 1950s, Eddie Cochran's good looks and his rebellious attitude made him the model of the 1950s rock and roll star, and his premature death solidified that whole live fast and die young image, especially since the deaths of Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, and the Big Bopper had him convinced that he, too, was going to perish at a young age. Cochran was born on October 3rd, 1938, and while that sounds like a million years ago, think about this. If he was still alive, he'd be the same age as Gordon Lightfoot or Connie Francis, who are still running around out there. He grew up in Minnesota in a town called Albert Lee, which is about 100 miles south of Minneapolis and is also known for being the hometown of actress Marion Rose from the uh, television show Happy Days. Cochran took music lessons in school, but he quit the band to play drums. Uh, He also started to learn guitar, playing songs that he had heard on the radio. Now, when he was 14, Cochran's family moved to Bell Gardens, California, near Los Angeles. As a junior high school student, he formed a band with a couple of his friends, and ultimately he dropped out of high school to become a professional musician. He met up with a songwriter named Hank Cochran while he was out playing, and despite the fact that they weren't related, they began performing and recording as the Cochran Brothers. They did experience a little bit of success with their singles. This song, Title I'm Ready, was not one of those singles, but I just like the way it sounds. In addition to his work as half of the Cochran Brothers, Eddie continued playing as a session musician, and he started to write his own material, often working with Jerry Capehart, who would later become his manager. And in 1956, uh, Cochran finally released his own single as a solo artist, a track called Skinny Jim. Skinny Jim did not chart, and but it's considered a rockabilly classic these days, and that's not unusual. There are plenty of oldie songs that we listen to nowadays, and we consider to be classics, and they never made the charts for one reason or another. As I noted a while back, Stairway to Heaven was never released as a single, so it never charted. But if you ask somebody to name a random Led Zeppelin song, they're more likely to bring up Stairway to Heaven than they are to bring up Whole Lot of Love, which was a number four hit, right? Anyway... Cochran appeared in the films The Girl Can't Help It and Untamed Youth, which helped cement that rebellious teen image, and he finally scored his first charting hit in 1957 with Sitting in the Balcony, written by John D. Loudermilk. Loudermilk was also known for writing the songs Tobacco Road and Indian Reservation, among others, but Sitting in the Balcony made it to number 18 in the U.S. and number 23 in the U.K., 
This song came off his first album titled Singing to My Baby. In late March of 1958, after a couple of other singles that just about reached the charts, the 19-year-old Cochran went back into the studio to record the song that put him on the map. Summertime Blues was written by Cochran and Jerry Capehart, and according to Capehart, they were inspired by the fact that there were a lot of songs about summer, but there didn't seem to be anything about the hardships of summer. Between that fact and this little guitar riff from Cochran, well, they managed to write the song in less than an hour. And boy, did it ever connect with the teenage fans. In their heads, society, parents, and even the government were holding them back, and this was the song that gave it some voice. And speaking of voice, Cochran provided both the main vocal and the bass vocal responses that you hear on the record. The bass portion was actually Cochran's tribute to the Kingfish character from the Amos and Andy TV show. Good morning, Kingfish. Well, good morning, Joe. How am I going to pay the mailman this morning? Any mail? Just one letter, Kingfish. It's for Andy Brown. I'll see the boy later at the pool hole. I'll give it to him. Well, I guess I better be getting home now and see if the battle axe got any lunch for me. See you later, old pal. Well, I Truth be told, I think he sounds more like Andy than he does Kingfish, but okay. The story also has it that 17-year-old songwriter Shannon Sheely, a uh, Sharon, I'm sorry, Sharon Sheely, provided the hand claps here, but she had some trouble getting the rhythm down until Cochran helped her out. Sheely later became his girlfriend, and she was in the car with Cochran when he died in the auto accident, although she survived possibly because he took action to protect her. At any rate, the song charted at number 8 on the Hot 100, and it managed to crack the top 20 in the UK and a few other countries. But here's the interesting part. As we've seen so many times, it wasn't the intended A-side of the record. The original A-side was this track, written by Shannon Sheely, Love Again. See, Liberty Records was hoping to turn uh, Eddie Cochran into the next crooning teen idol, kind of like Frankie Avalon or Paul Anka. And if you look at the label on the 45, the catalog numbers have Love Again with the lower number, which means that this was slated to be the original A-side. But in the end, it was pretty clear that Summertime Blues was going to be the hit. Now, the song has been covered many times with mixed success. In 1964, the Beach Boys recorded it as an homage to Cochran. The leads on this one was sung by Carl Wilson, who was 16 at the time, and David Marks, who was 14. It wasn't released as a single in America, but it did manage to hit number seven, believe it or not, in the Philippines in early 1966. The band Blue Cheer recorded a cover in 1967. And you'll notice they don't bother with the bass response lines. Instead, they give the bands an oppor- the band members an opportunity to play brief guitar solos. 
This version peaked at number 14 on the Billboard chart and is generally considered to be the first heavy metal song to make the pop charts. Probably the other well-known cover of the song comes from The Who, which performed it as part of their concert set list pretty early on in their career, all the way up to 1976 when it became more of an occasional part of the show. first version to make it onto an album would be this one, their 1970 performance on the Live at Leeds album, which did manage to crack the top 30 on both sides of the Atlantic. The Who stopped playing the song after the death of John Entwistle in 2002, perhaps because he's the one supplying the bass responses. The Who did record two studio versions before the Live at Leeds album came out, but they were unreleased until the remastered version of Odds and Sods came out in 1998. And then the uh, deluxe edition of The Who Sell Out came out in 2009. You can also hear The Who performing this song on the uh, Monterey Pop Festival CD and in the Woodstock film. Country singer Alan Jackson recorded the song as the lead-off single from his album Who I Am in 1994. It actually reached number one on Billboard's Country Singles and Tracks chart, although it didn't make the Hot 100 on the pop chart. It reached basically number 104. Now what I found kind of amusing about this one is that the music critics who had positive things to say about this track and the critics who had negative things to say about it both focused on the same thing, that he was clearly trying to recapture the feel of his hit from the last year, from the previous year, Chattahoochee. Now, when a song gets covered as often as this one is, those of you who have been with me a little while know that I've been known to look for a version that has a little bit of, well, who thought this was a good idea to it? And sure, while there is an Alvin and the Chipmunks version of the song... Okay, that'll be enough of that. But there have been covers from artists as diverse as Leon Helm, uh, Dick Dale, James Taylor, Joan Jett, The Black Keys, and even Olivia Newton-John. Now, I'm not positive, but I'm pretty sure that the bass is provided by Mike Sams, who was doing the bass lines for her hits around that time. But the thing I think I learned here is that this is a pretty tough song song to screw up. It even sounds good in French. This is Johnny Halliday, whose uh, version is titled La Fille L'Été Dernier, or The Girl From Last Summer. And it's a kind of sort of faithful translation of the song. It spent one week at the top of the charts in France in 1975. And 
that's it for this edition of How Good It Is. Hey, if you want to get in touch with me, you can email me at howgoodpodcast at gmail.com or you can follow me on Twitter at howgooditispod. You can also check out and follow the show's Facebook page at facebook.com slash howgooditispod or you can just check out the show's website, howgooditis.com, where I throw in a few extra bits for you. And in fact, this week, I have a bunch of stuff about the accident that claimed Eddie Cochran's life. Thanks again to uh, Podcast Republic for featuring the show. Next time around, we're going to find out how good it is to wind your way down Baker Street. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you next time. Mm -hmm.